0: Jessica Kirsten has a captivating stage presence that bowls you over with laughter. Whether you're a schmuck in the front row or one of those so-called celebrities on NBC's Celebrity Apprentice, Kirsten has a featured role on screen and behind the scenes in the new Robert De Niro movie about an aging insult comic called The Comedian. She has also appeared on The Tonight Show, Last Comic Standing, The View, and Comedy Central. And this fall, guest stars on at least one episode of the new CBS sitcom Kevin Can Wait. I can't wait to hear more about Jessica's past, so let's get to it! Jessica Kersons, you have a, a part in front of the camera and behind the scenes of the Robert De Niro film, The Comedian. Yes. What was the first Robert De Niro film you ever saw?
1: I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember really a lot of my life. So I, I'm not... If you ask me about movies and yeah. TV, or I have no idea. I don't even... I don't know. The, I think maybe The Godfather. I don't okay. know.
0: So the the thought of actually being in a film with him and then working alongside of him did that did that not if you don't have that much of a memory of your childhood did it not have the same kind of oh my god this is really happening resonance with you or
1: yeah it was such a weird situation i mean it's a pretty simple story i was just doing stand-up one night and he, he was there with Taylor, Taylor Hackford, who's mm-hmm. a director, and they were looking at comics for a while at the Comedy Cellar and at other clubs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was at a gig in Florida and like at noon on a Saturday, I got a call from Taylor Hackford saying, we'd like for you to be in this movie and we'd like for Bob and I would like to meet you on Wednesday. And I had no idea who he was talking about. And I was like, <laughs> Bob who? And he's like, uh, Bob De Niro. And I... I don't know, it, it it didn't, like I was kind of in shock, but mm-hmm. I met with them and then we ended up meeting for three hours and talking and I somehow ended up from just being asked to be in it to um, being asked to consult and be a part of it. But I, it, it turned into like a huge thing that I did, um, being a comedy consultant, teaching him how to do stand up, teaching him about the business and I became a, a associate producer and comedy consultant on the film and I'm also in it. So I don't know it didn't it didn't hit me he's so down to earth so mm-hmm. it's there's been times since I did it where I'm like oh, i I've been working with De Niro it's crazy but I don't I guess from being around famous people so many times it didn't phase me in a certain way Right
0: Well how, were you conscious of of how you wanted comedy to be perceived on film Yes knowing everything. the history of other films that have been made about stand-up comedy or stand-up comedians
1: it wasn't more, it wasn't about the history of how movies have been made. It was just there, were, you know, if you're a comic, you know certain things about how, you know, the audience should be or mm-hmm. how he would respond or how his apartment should look or how he should be dressing or acting or everything. I mean, I was a part of all of that and most of it they listened to and some of it they did, you know, they, they insisted on certain things which I disagreed with, but. Ooh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Any, anything you really wish you could have?
1: I'd love to see comics see it and then uh, see what they think because Mm -hmm. there are certain things that comics would know that wouldn't really happen Mm -hmm. uh, in in a real show or something.
0: Right. I remember a a lot of people when they talk about the movie Punchline from 1988, Mm -hmm. they talk about wondering what kind of comedy club would have a locker room. Right. They always focus on... The the ridiculousness of seeing the comedians together in a locker room with their individual yeah it's the lockers. same thing
1: like there's some things and I'm like this would never happen <coughs> this would never ever happen but they insisted on doing it mm-hmm. so but most of it they they really listened to and took my advice and uh, my feedback he was open to everything he's the most humble person I ever met in my life he wanted to learn and he knew he had and he still says to this day I don't know how you do what you do and I don't know how comics do what they do.
0: And then for your own stand-up in the film, it was just your stand-up?
1: Yeah, that was my stand-up. I go by my name mm-hmm. and I'm in a scene with he and Leslie Mann while I'm performing.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, it's, it's one of those things where
0: people talk about comedy and they go, uh, it's one thing to be funny around your friends is another to be funny on cue at a certain time with, with a microphone. When you're filming a movie, you're doing take after take after take. Right. <laughs> How is that experience telling the same, the same three minute chunk perhaps over and over?
1: Well, when we were doing it, it's like I didn't have to keep doing my stand up over and over. again. I mean, I probably did it okay. like three or four times, uh, but I did my lines with him. Like I'm, I'm, you know, doing my stand up, and then I do lines with him uh, after I do a joke. Okay, and so that was more, you know, we did that over and over and over again but i was like his consultant so while i was doing the lines with him i was consulting him <laughs> it's, it was a crazy situation it was amazing for anyone who was there and saw it it was right. very cool to see
0: and uh how many times have you seen it yet
1: yeah i've seen it twice okay. and it's great it's great it's it's really 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 good it's uh you know, when you're filming it and you're going from scene to scene and and you're such a big part of the creation of it, it's hard to see how it's going to come out. Right. You know, there were certain scenes I'm like, how is this going to be interesting or funny or, uh but it came out amazing. And you didn't really have a lot of film experience before this, right? No. There's no. like a
0: Nick Cannon thing that maybe went straight to video? Or? Yeah, I
1: did a movie where I played a cop with Jim Brewer. We were cop partners. I mean, that was like one of the most fun I've ever had mm-hmm. uh, in my career. But... I I have been behind the scenes in so many television shows because I did warm up for years. Oh, okay. So I did warm up for Mike and Juliet on Fox, The View, Anderson Cooper, Bethany. So I saw, you know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and was very close with a lot of the, the producers. But this was a whole new right experience for me and it was all men and me. So <laughs> it was the producers were all men, the uh you know, the director's a guy and a lot of the actors were guys. I mean Edie Falco's in it and Leslie Mann, but I, I was kind of their you know, their person to mm-hmm. go to to speak to the guys. It was very interesting for me to be a woman in that in that kind of environment. Did you feel pressure to like speak for yes. women? For everyone. Okay. For comics too.
0: Right. Because you, know? you don't want to perpetuate
1: no, stereotypes
0: I mean, or but I also, or bad habits. Right. That and we're already I, trying to get rid of in comedy.
1: Right. And I was really trying to um show them what it's really like and just hoping that they would portray to portray it in a real way of right. what comics go through. When you were a
0: kid, did you did you ever imagine that you would be part of
1: a movie experience? That, that's never talking
0: about you and your real life no. and
1: never. Never, ever, ever. I was always uh I, I really was the class clown. Like I, I learned at a very young age how to use humor to deal with pain and sadness and how to win people over mm-hmm. and how to f- get friends and how to make people happy and smile. And, um, I, oh my God, I've been silly and like nutty and the class clown since I'm a little kid. Since and, kindergarten or? Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, my parents are both funny. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I was a rat, we all laughed constantly, even though there was a lot of, you know, stuff going on in the home. There was still laughter. And, um. Hashtag
0: your mom is a shrink.
1: Yeah, my mom (laughs) is a shrink, and my dad is the furthest thing from it. (laughs) You know, she, she, they got divorced when I was 13, so that's, yeah. So, um, but my grandmother is the one that told me to do stand-up, and I never thought, I've never thought about doing stand-up or,
0: how old were you when your grandmother told you that?
1: My grandmother told me in my twenties, um, like mid twenties, and then it took me a little while to to have the guts to do it. So, and what I, path were you on at the
0: time? What were you going to do with your life a as a young? I went for a master's young... in
1: social work.
0: Okay. Plenty of I, I've talked with plenty of comedians who have done that. Wendy Lieben was a social worker.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always say it's the same thing, except I don't have to listen; I talk. <laughs> Right, I I can't. It was so depressing. (laughs) It's like you shush. Let me. (laughs) Yeah, this is about. Let me me make you feel
0: better. Yeah, which makes me feel better. Exactly. Huh? So How far did you get with the social work? You got the masters, and
1: (laughs) excuse me, I didn't um, finish, and Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, and then I just did the stand up and. I don't know. I fell in love with it, but I bartended for years and did stand up and had no money and did the grind and did a ton of open mics from years and years and years. And, uh, you know, really just did the path that most stand ups do. The ones that are successful. The ones that try not to get around it. Were you in the city the whole time? Yeah, I was. I lived in New York City and I did stand up, you know, every night almost and just busted my ass. Huh.
0: And bartended.
1: Yeah, bartended during the day. How I had ma- no money. I had benefits.
0: What kept you going through those years of open mics?
1: Because it's such a horrible feeling. Um, and it was, you know, <laughs> a very depressing <laughs> yeah, So thing. some people so, quit. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. It's familiar for me to be mm-hmm. in angst and have, oh, okay. uh, you know, always feel stressed out and mm-hmm. So I think if I were doing something that was amazing and I felt great all the time, it probably wouldn't have worked. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So you're just one of those people that, that you might see at an open mic who's just going up and bombing every night, but then they just keep coming back. They're resilient.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I had so much fun with the comics that I hung out with. Who was, who
0: was showing up at those open mics with you in the beginning?
1: Oh, it was like, it was, um, Danny Cohen, Jody Wasserman, Dimitri Martin. Sherrod, small, you know, Rachel Feinstein, we all started together, uh, Tony Rock, um, just a big group, Marion Groden. So we would just all do open mics and we would fly her for stage time and I would laugh constantly. I mean, part of it was that I laughed all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Did having, did having a crew like help? The commiseration of it all? Like oh we're all in this together. Yes.
1: I tell I tell so many comics starting out, you gotta find people to go around with and and do open mics with. Like it's so hard if you go along. I couldn't I don't think I would have kept doing it if I did it alone. I don't think I could have done it. How long did it take before you got a break? I don't know what it's such a uh hard question because I don't know what a break like I feel like I've done so much television mm-hmm. and I'm 17 years in and I feel like is this is the first time I kind of feel like I really have a break break because well, of the De Niro thing. Well, when was the last time you bartended? Uh many 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 years ago, but I I did what a lot of people aren't willing to do. You know, I did mm-hmm. the road and I did or some people can not cuz they have family right. or Whatever their situation is, they can't do it. But I started doing The Road early in and doing weekends for, like, not a lot of money. And I got on stage constantly. So I really – the more you get on stage, the the less time it takes.
0: So who gave you that first break? Was it a club or a specific headliner?
1: Well, clubs – uh I, I was MCing a lot so mm-hmm. I think it was a little you know I got in as an MC okay uh, so it was a little easier in some of the clubs not easy but it was easier to get in because I was a good host. Where were
0: you MCing first?
1: Uh, Gotham okay comedy club and then like stand-up New York and Carolines a lot of different places and I was doing a ton of road gigs and doing anything I could to make some money and uh, did that for years and then started as a host on the road at some of the bigger clubs. And then like, I tell people this all the time. And I think this is so crucial. I was a great host, so a lot of the clubs would have kept me as a host. But at a certain time, because I also have like a very good business sense, and I think that's very, very important it's it's it, so much of it is that, and not just being funny right so um I knew at a certain point I had to say i don't host anymore, I'm middle now, which was very uncomfortable because I was <laughs> filled with self hatred. <laughs> But I knew the only way I would make more money and get further was to say, I don't host anymore. Um, because they weren't going to come to me and be like, you want to middle now? Right. You're a great host, but you want to be an opener now? So I did that, and then I started opening and middling. And um, and then at some point I said, I headline now. I don't open for people.
0: When you were middling, do, did you tour with the same set of people? Or? No.
1: No, I just did a ton of different clubs where I would open for certain people and um you know i in my experience because i'm high energy right and, uh that's why i ask i want i
0: want to know what yeah, the dynamic be, was like well
1: it had to be people who were secure and had you know didn't complain and I, I always you know it's very hard for me um because i i get that a lot now like i hope i don't have to follow you and i'm thinking you have three sh- television shows <laughs> You're making millions of dollars. You should be able to follow anybody. Right? Like It it, it enrages me when people say that to me because here I am still working so hard and doing shit gigs sometimes and doing whatever I have to to make a living and they're saying they don't want to follow me and it's like they're making millions of dollars. Well, that speaks to the insecurity and shame
0: that all comedians feel. Yeah. Like they don't deserve what they have. Well,
1: it's ego. It's ego. A lot of it it is. So the ones that have the most humility, just, they don't say that to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, who went up after me? I can't even remember who it was last week, but I did the comedy seller in the stand in one night and Mm -hmm. he went after me twice and he's a great comic, amazing, been around a long time. And, both times he said, "Oh God, I gotta follow you," but but he wasn't saying in a way like, "I don't want to follow you," or mm-hmm. telling the booker they don't want to follow me. You know, he was he was so nice to me and saying, "You know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of yours. Like I've, I can't. I, I laugh so hard at what you did, and you're amazing." It was Tom Rhodes. Okay, and he. I loved him. Twenty. You know, when I started seventeen years ago, I loved him
0: when he had the long hair and he was Mister Rhodes.
1: Yeah, he was. <laughs> he is an amazing comedian, and he's traveled all around the world, all over the world. Yeah. But instead of like being threatened by it Mm -hmm. and being, you know, I don't want to do it and I have to follow you again. He was just appreciating my comedy and saying, it's such an honor to be on a show with you. He's a pretty chill guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he's secure with himself. Right. (laughs) He wasn't threatened by me. (laughs) He saw it more of like, you know, he he got to know who me. He got to see what I do. He loved it. And Mm -hmm. he saw it as like a little bit of a challenge, but didn't make a big deal about it.
0: Right. Um, you mentioned doing a lot of warm up. When did you, did you seek that out or was that an opportunity that just kind of came your way?
1: That was an opportunity that came my way. I think from hosting and being like high energy, mm-hmm. I don't even remember. I think another comic referred me and said Jessica would be great for this. And then I tried and it was great money. It was very, very hard to go every day and have to be in the city very early in the morning. Um, and be like oh right, depending on the show. The crowd, Some of those right? shows are early in the morning. Yeah, this was a morning show, so I did it for years and it was very early. Oh, how early? I think I had to be there at like seven. Oh wow. And I was in Jersey at the time. So it was very early for me.
0: Yeah, it's like doing morning radio, except yeah.
1: And I had to be really except you have upbeat, to wear clothes. dance with them, right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be yeah. You can't be naked. No. Uh not yeah, morning show. I had to dance with them, and but I made so many connections doing that. Really? Yeah, with just producers and people on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, friendships. Okay. How long did you do warm up for?
0: On, on, the, on off, the various shows,
1: on and off, probably for like four or five years. And
0: did did that really take care of any financial worries that you might have in terms of working the road for other? Yeah, days? I mean, or booking it, a commercial or booking a TV.
1: It was harder Show. to work the road as much because I was so tired and had to, you know, but on the weekends I did. Mm-hmm. Um I f- you know, I it was the time when I felt the least creative in my career because I I had a you know, when you do warm up you just have to be like a cheerleader and very clean and you know, you can try out jokes and right. it's exhausting.
0: But every day is kind of the same.
1: Right. It's the same, but we, I had so much fun there too behind the scenes mm-hmm. with the you know, producers and um We, we laughed constantly. So that was, that was fun. The only show I didn't have fun on was Bethany. I walked (laughs) off that show. Oh, no. I actually walked off one day and just said, I refuse to do this anymore. What happened that day? It was just horrible energy. And Mm -hmm. she, you know, never said hi to me. And it was just this, it wasn't like a family environment where I was used to where everyone got along and got to know each other. It was, it was just, um, but she's a real housewife. <laughs> well, I don't do things. I will, real. I would huh? never just do things. Uh, I would do something for the money, like mm-hmm. a one-time gig or right. a weekend, but not months and months and months of being miserable. And I'd rather do comedy on the street and right. ask for money than <laughs> how to is, be around that kind of negativity. So
0: how is, how is working warm-up for Bethany compared to uh, performing on an episode of Celebrity Apprentice?
1: Well, the thing I did for Celebrity Apprentice was cool because it was like a special and they just picked some comics to right. teach the celebrities comedy. So that, that was fun because it was a one day thing. The Bethany thing was every day. So it was just, I hated it. <laughs> Celebrity
0: Apprentice was also good for you. I remember the, like they showcased you performing and celebrities. Sh- yeah. I mean, those,
1: those things are great, but they're on once. Right. You know, that's like I did the Tonight Show twice and it's on once. Or I did The View twice, and it's on once. So they're not repeated. So the stuff that is repeated is the stuff that you get the most um, out of. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's exciting to do this movie, because it's just out there. Right. And so many people see it. It'll will have a life. It. Exactly. Yeah. You've also done a
0: couple of... You've taken a couple of different stabs at podcasting and YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me about how your approach
0: to that has changed over the years?
1: Well, I've done, um, a ton of videos for years. Mm -hmm. I love doing videos. Uh, it's, you know, you have to really be on top of it. I'm not a technical person. So unless I have someone helping me with that, it's really hard for me to, uh, continue it. So, um, the stuff that I can do on my own and just post now is much easier. It's just, you know, I can just take, do, do a video and post it. Whereas right. before I had to have help editing it and doing it, you know, all that the stuff. The first
0: one, that was the Jesse K show or what was the first thing?
1: Well, I had, I had a, um, YouTube channel called the Jesse K show mm-hmm. and then I had my own channel, Jessica Curson, on YouTube. But again, it take the stuff, you know, and any comic would know that it takes so much time and energy. You know, I can't, it's like, there are so many things now, I cannot be on them 24 hours a day. It's just, I wouldn't, it's, it's, it's just hard to have, to do Instagram and Facebook and right. Twitter and YouTube and this and that. I, I can't do it. So.
0: How much effort was it to make that first show? Like hours and people and.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I had someone who I work with who I would do videos and they would edit it and he mm-hmm. would do all that work for me, um, right. but he's doing other work now. So, uh, but now I'm focusing on other things. Okay, and I try to focus on the stuff that I know will go somewhere. You know, again, it's that business sense. Like I kind of know now when someone calls me and says, "Oh, I have this idea." I, I, it's weird. I kind of know most of the time, not all the time, but I know most of the time if it'll go somewhere.
0: But like the videos you're doing now, these are shorter. Very short, and it's like mostly for Facebook or yeah,
1: they're on Facebook, but a lot, you know, a lot of them have gotten hundreds of thousands, of millions of views. Um, but and they're usually just like first person, you, like selfie, you just, and your, or and your, with, and you
0: in your middle. A lot of times, right?
1: Yeah, it's me, and you know, it's 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 sometimes it's a lot of times just me. It's sometimes with Frank Liotti, It's mm-hmm. some it, it, and I, they're I always have more fun with, when they're with other people, but some of the ones. And some of them I've done with him or other people, especially him, have gotten hundreds of thousands of views. And some, I mean, the the one that got the most, seven million views, is just me singing in a car, <laughs> just me singing like a Jennifer Holiday song. And was that
0: one take, or did yeah. you, or did you do a couple of? I think versions? it was like a
1: couple, but mm-hmm. I Frank just filmed me in the passenger seat, and mm-hmm. it got so it has over seven million views. <laughs> it's crazy. I look horrific. <laughs> I'm so freaked out that that's the one that got so popular because i just hate how i look in it but for some reason it went viral what
0: does your business sense tell you about what makes these videos popular
1: well i mean i think the more the more um current they are Mm -hmm. for sure the better they do more people can relate to them and like everyone, not just people in New York, but people in the South, the Midwest. It's got to, you know, if it's stuff about like eating or relationships or kids or whatever, it just it'll do better mm-hmm. than if it's an inside joke kind of thing. Okay. It's not going to go as viral. So, you know, when I do like my Jewish grandmother, that's not going to go as viral as if I do one about like, you know, I did one. I did one. What I was... On the street, like mm-hmm. going into the doctor's office and just like saying, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom and just like running with the camera. And that one got hundreds of thousands of views. And it was just out of nowhere, I thought of doing it. But everyone can relate to that. Like right. I can go to the bathroom, not being able to make it.
0: And there's suspense. Right. Like, <laughs> is she going <laughs> to yeah. keep the video going? or yeah, What's yeah, going to yeah. happen?
1: No, <laughs> no, that's that'll be a shame if I <laughs> videotape myself going to the bathroom. That'll be a very sad day.
0: Uh, What does your your, uh, Spidey business sense tell you about what the next step is for you?
1: Well, I want to get more into producing and, um, you know, I've created some ideas and I'm working on it. I'm working on doing a special, Mm -hmm. you know, filming an hour special, and I'm working on doing another late night appearance. I don't know what is going to happen from the movie. But I, you know, I, I see stuff starting to happen and, like, you know, you know when there's, like, kind of a buzz. Like, I'm getting calls about doing other things. Like, um, I just filmed a uh, an episode for uh, Kevin Can Wait. With and, Kevin James on CBS. Right. Now, I didn't even know he had ever seen me before. But he, it, it, you know, most of... I And I want to say this, you know, so other comics hear this. It's like most of my work has come from other comics. I'd say... Seventy five percent of my television and movie work has come from other comics or other actors or people seeing me do stand up. It's not from going in on an audition. <laughs> it, that that's never been my route ever.
0: Well, that speaks that speaks uh, marvels about uh, how you are both on stage and off stage. Then,
1: yeah. Well, that I think people... it'll give people hope because a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm not How? No one's going to see me," mm-hmm. and it's not true. They, like when I did Nick Cannon's movie, he called me. He saw me do stand. He, mm-hmm. I did stand up with him. I just happened to be on a show in Gotham with him, and then he booked me on some other shows with him. And then he did a movie and asked me to be in it. I didn't have to like go into an office audition. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is. You're right. It's very important how you are on and off stage. What What kind of advice uh, do you keep close to the, close to the vest as
0: you you're navigating this next part of your life? Um, are there people who, who've been good counsel for you or things you've read or, or heard?
1: I just think the more that I work on myself and I'm aware of, you know, how I should be and how, like, people in general and relationships, the more successful I am. You know, it's, this business is so psychological. Um, it's about having, like, 50-50 humility and, um, confidence like it's <laughs> like you know i would say to people people would say to me well, what do i do when i call a club i'm like say i love your club it's amazing i would love to work there um and you should really you know you should book me i'm doing really well Like, it's like most people either are too hard on themselves or too egotistical and i've just always been in that middle place and i think it's helped me a lot how do you, how do you maintain that that balance very hard because I can go into a really, really negative place a lot of the time and say, things aren't going to work out. I'm never going to, you Mm -hmm. know, um, or I can look at other people's stuff and say, Oh, I should be doing this. And my ego comes out. Mm -hmm. So I literally just stop myself immediately and go on to something else. I, I, I say, Jessica, stop. And I just start looking at something else or taking action and creating something, writing or making a video. Like instead of Getting in that negative place of why me or, uh, or it's never going to be okay. I, I take action and do something and it makes me feel better.
0: Yeah, you got to take action.
1: And I don't look at other people's stuff. I don't compare myself to other people. I don't, you can't. It's just, <laughs> I can't do this if I do that.
0: Especially, especially right now when there's so much mm-hmm. going on, it's, it's dizzying.
1: It's dizzying, and it also doesn't mean anything. Does that make sense? It doesn't. Right. Just because someone got a special does not mean anything.
0: <laughs> not not in 2016.
1: No, it doesn't. Now, I see people now who aren't even doing stand-up anymore, who were like the hottest comics when I was in my first five or ten years. They got deals and had television shows, and now they're doing something else. They're doing real estate.
0: <laughs> well, I hear real estate's pretty good.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: So uh, so on the, on the flip side, if you run into somebody, uh, a new person, uh, whether they're young or just want to get involved in comedy and they come up to you and ask you for advice, what's the first thing you tell them?
1: Get on stage. You know, a lot of people want to get around it. And, well, I hate open mics. I mean, they're horrible. Mm. But there's no way of getting around it. And you really don't want to anyway. You don't want to make it too soon. It's not... There's a certain, you know, thing that there's there's levels like even now I'm at a different level than I was a year ago. Um, But there's nothing like getting on stage and writing and trying out material Uh, and be around positive people, be around people that want the best for you. Find a a group that or one person even that you can go to shows with instead of doing it by yourself and uh, just work, work, work. And don't just depend on stand-up, because it's not going to work. You have to put other things out there, like podcasts and videos and different things. You have to always be creating stuff.
0: Well, Jessica, I know that whenever you get on stage, something magical happens. Aww. So
1: so I thank you for
0: taking some time off stage to sit with me. I really appreciate it.
1: That's very sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Yeah!
0: things first.